Thank you very much. It's a, it's very humbling to have this privilege. Thank you very much. Um, it's interesting you asked that. Or yeah, so it happens to be the title, "Experiencing the Heart of Jesus." You prayed. You said that just a minute ago. So, uh, but before we get in, how about we uh, pray together? That'd be okay. Lord, I do pray that you would open up uh, our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to see you, uh, to know you more as a result of today's message. Uh, Lord, we just want to receive from you, hear from you. Lord, open up our ears. Uh, pray that you'd speak through me. And also, I pray, uh, too, just for specific personal applications. Uh, Lord, we all have um, uh, needs. Uh, Lord, places where you want us to grow or just specific areas of our life. and you, Or just to hear. We just need to hear that you love us, you appreciate us. I pray there'd be really personal, specific applications direct from you to our hearts. Uh, today, so we commit that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it okay if I move this just a tad? Or never mind. <laughs> it's, 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 it's cemented. So um, we're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 17 today. It's a, a little bit, a, kind of a long passage. And for some reason, uh, was immediately when I think about this passage, um, I think about Mount Hood in Oregon. Has anybody ever heard of Mount Hood in Oregon? Anyway, so I, I had the privilege of going there uh, on our honeymoon, and we uh, were able to rent a cabin out in the foothills. And the first time we took a drive to go see Mount Hood after getting settled in, it was a little bit hard to see because they're really tall pine trees and foothills. And, uh, and just as we were driving, we were, you know, again, couldn't see it initially, but as we just drove, the weather started to change. It started to snow a little bit, uh, and there was just this eerie sense of quiet all around. I guess it came from the snow, but it was almost like, what, wow, what are we about to see? So it's like the weather was changing. We turned this corner, and a big storm cloud had moved in, and by this time, we're, there's actually snow flurries. But I could only see maybe a third of the whole mountain because it was covered in um, really dense clouds. And, but I could tell from seeing what I saw that that was a massive mountain. It was beautiful. It was uh, impressive. But I could only see uh, a part of it, right? Um, but because of what was happening, because of what I saw, I want to share that because I feel like this chapter is like that. I'm going to say ahead of time that this is a, there's a lot here. And when I think about this chapter, I'm not going to say, hey, I see everything. And uh, let me show you what this is about. I'm just going to say, hey, what I see is impressive. I'm going to try to show you what I see, but I also encourage you uh, to go explore the mountain for yourself as well. So we're going to try to cover a lot of ground here, but the goal is really to see the heart of Jesus. Um, and what do we? What what makes his heart beat? What's his motivation? Um, what did, what was he after? Because what we see here, the heart of Jesus in this prayer. This is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus that we have in Scripture. And when you hear somebody pray, you get to hear their heart. And so here we have this beautiful picture of what Jesus' heart. So our goal is to see that, but also to see how do we respond, because he actually prays for us here in this prayer. And um, so I'm actually going to, we're just going to read through this in just a minute. Ask Will to come up here and pray um, uh, and read the scripture for us. Um, I'm going to answer just a few simple questions here. So as we're reading the chapter, I want you to listen for these four questions. 
our goal is really just to ask these questions and let the scripture answer them. So um, you can do the same Bible study at home. You can just take these questions and read this and fill it in. There's probably more answers than I can give you in this time, but we're going to look at these. Um, and so with that said, Will, would you mind coming up and just read the passage? And as, we, as you re- hear this being read or you read it, please listen for some of these four things. Uh, so the first one is, what is the end goal uh, or finished product that Jesus was seeking in his ministry? I thought I was ready for you. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, what was the end goal or the finished product that Jesus was seeking in his ministry? Two is, how did he accomplish it? What specifically do we see him doing to meet this need, uh, this desire, uh, including the prayer itself, right? We see him praying. We see him specific things he's asking. So what did he do to accomplish this? Three is, what was his motivation? Why was he doing this? And four is, what is our role? And that's where we'll spend a lot of time after this. So let's listen for how the answers to those questions. Okay, thank you. So the Gospel of John, chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to, the, to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you, have, whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they, may also, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these, and these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I'm just going to read a list of some of the observations I made as I was uh, reading through this. If you have new ones or things I didn't notice, please come up to me afterwards and share them with me. Um, so again, I probably didn't catch everything. But that first question, um, what was his desired end goal? I have some answers here. And I apologize. I'm going to speed through the first three questions. I'm just going to read a list of lots of answers. We're actually going to focus on the fourth. So I don't have slides for all of the first three answers. Uh, I have notes. If you'd like to see them later, I can share them with you. Um, but for now, what was his desired end goal or his finished product, his goal on earth? And the first thing we saw him say was to glorify his father. That was his heart, was to glorify his father. Also, right after that, we see he wanted to give eternal life to all that the father had given him. And we're going to see that same phrase uh, repeated different ways, but the same heart there. He wanted to give eternal life to all that the Father had given him. Uh, we see it repeated again. He says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. He wants the world to believe that he was sent by God the Father. Another end goal finished product was that they would become, they meaning uh, all believers of all time, would be perfected in unity and again, so that the world may know that he was sent by the Father uh, and, and loved, that he loved him, uh, them, his disciples, even as he was loved by the Father. He said that the love, one of his end goals, was that the love with which the Father loved him would be in them and he himself in them. So I'm going to summarize all these in just a sentence here. His goal, his heart, was to glorify God, his Father, and to testify to the whole world about his identity and love and that those who believe would be completely one. But he wants the world to believe. He wants them to be one. But in product, he wants, he wants the world to believe. Number two, how did he accomplish this? The first thing we saw was by finishing the work that God gave him to do. He was given a task before God. He finished the task. Interesting that he says this before the cross. Um, I think you could say he was looking forward to so resolute on walking to the cross that it was as good as finished. But it's interesting he made this statement actually prior to the cross. I finished the work that you call me to do. He manifested the name of his father to the people that were given to him. The words given to him he gave to the ones that were given to him. He protected them. It says he kept them in the name of the father, guarded them. And actually, I don't know if you saw this, part of his plan was actually going to the Father, was leaving. That was part of his plan. I don't understand that fully. We'll come back to that, though. And I also said he spoke these things, probably referring to the previous message from John 13 on, he spoke those things in the world, and his goal was that they would have his joy in them. He also gave them the word of his Father, uh, and then he sent his disciples into the world. 
before he left, he sent them into the world, sanctified himself for their sake, so he made himself... To sanctify means to separate um, from profane things or unclean things and to dedicate oneself to God or purify. So he sanctified himself. Uh, He prayed for his disciples. And he prayed for the disciples that would come to know him through their word. Uh, And then it said he gave them glory and he made the name of the Father known to them. I'm going to summarize a few of these things in just a little bit. But number three, I think, is the most beautiful question to answer and to see is why. Why did he do these things? Basically, he came, he manifested the word of the Father, revealed himself, um, sent them into the world, sanctified them. What was his motivation? Number one, again, we heard this. It mixes a little bit with the first question, but to glorify his Father. His goal was to glorify his Father in heaven. Uh, another, just again, we, uh, we saw this. It was motivating to him. He wanted to give eternal life to everyone who would respond. He actually wanted to be glorified by his Father. He asked God, glorify me in your presence, which that's a bold request. Perfectly okay for him to pray that. You know, he actually tells us to seek to be glorified. The key important thing to notice that he asks uh, that we should be glorified by the Father not from people, from other people, but to seek glory from God is actually characteristic of those who receive eternal life. And listen to this. This is going to help kind of frame everything else. One of his, his motivations was that his disciples might have Jesus' joy fulfilled in themselves. That was his heart. You know that Jesus is the most joyful man that ever lived? It says that in Hebrews 1, that he was anointed with the oil of joy beyond all of his companions. He had more joy than any other person that's ever lived And he said his motivation was to share that joy with his disciples. So everything we're about to look at, actually, um, one of the primary motivations of Jesus' heart is to share his joy with you. He also was motivated to keep them from the evil one. uh, He wanted them to be sanctified. He wanted them to all be one. Uh, Again, we see that the world may know that the Father sent Jesus. And he wanted the world to know that the Father loved the disciples. Now listen to this. Uh, this is the most beautiful passage, I think, in the scripture. of this scripture. He says it real clearly at the very end. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am and to see my glory that you have given me. But he wants us to be with him. That's his, his desire. He wants as many people as possible to be with him. He just wants us to be with him. He, he's, he values our relationship with him. wants us to see his glory and then he finalized it by saying that the love with which he's praying to his father, the love which, which you, Father, have loved me, I want that love to be in them. And then the last thing he says is that I myself would be in them. So this is his motivation. His motivation is love, joy. He wants us to experience his heart. This, we're talking about experiencing the heart of Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants to experience the joy, the relationship that he has with his father. So the final question is, what is our role? So as we're hearing him pray, he's, he's praying about us, for us. How do we respond to this, knowing his heart? How do we experience, actually go about experiencing the heart of Jesus? And this is where we're going to spend our time. Before we do, I want to ask a question that wasn't on here. We heard his goal. His goal is that many, as many people would believe as possible, that the world would believe. Has he reached that goal yet? Has he reached the goal of everyone believing? No, yeah, and I think it's, it's uh, really easy to see here in Japan. There's such a small 
uh, percentage of people that, that know and believe in Jesus. And so he hasn't technically reached it. He has not reached his goal yet. Why did he leave? Why did he leave? And actually, you can read, I think it's in John 14, one of the disciples asked him this. Right after Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, it was Judas asked him this, not Iscariot. The other one said, well, uh, you know, why are you telling us this? Like, why, are you, why don't you tell the whole world this? And Jesus doesn't directly answer the question. He just proceeds forward and talks to them about how when they obey his word and receive his love, that the, he will come and live in them. And he doesn't directly answer the question. But so the implication here is actually that he's given the baton to us. So he left and entrusted this mission of reaching the world to us. So that's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit scary, a little bit exciting, uh, but it makes me want to know how, how do I partner with him in this mission? So that's what we're going to look at. Um, how do you experience, and I, I frame this as not how do you reach the world, because I don't think that's, again, his heart is actually for us to experience his heart, experience his life, his love, his joy, and to bring as many people into that as possible. So this isn't meant to be a step one, two, three, how do you reach the world? This is how do you experience God's heart? And so I'm going to read back through a couple of key passages. Um, and as I do this, I want to ask you just to listen. I'm going to, to give seven things here, seven specific ways that we can encounter God's heart. And I don't know, uh, I just want to ask you to, to think about one that stands out to you. So as I share seven things, just if you could listen, which one specifically applies to you right here and now? And if you have your Bible, um, please read along with me. If not, you can listen. I'm actually just going to skip through some verses, verses 2 and 3. Again, we're trying to answer the question is, how do we experience the heart of Jesus? How do we partner with him in this work? Verse 2 and 3 Jesus is praying, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. Skipping to verse 8. You know, actually, you probably can't follow along with me because I, I cut and pasted a lot of fractions of verses, so just listen if you don't mind. So listen to, listen to these passages. So, um, Father, you gave me eternal life to share with them I have given, this is Jesus speaking, I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one. And I speak these things that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. I made known to your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. There was a word that I repeated a lot there. The word give. The word give, I didn't count, uh, it just occurred to me, I should have counted on the way up here, walking here today. The word give is all over this passage. I want to give them. This is, what I, I, this is what I've given them. This is what I want to give them. Father, this is what you've given me. I want to give them what you gave me. It's all the tenses of the word gave, what the Father gave to him, he wants to give to us. But basically, these verses reflect 
that what the Father has given to Jesus, what he has given to his disciples, wants to give them or wants his Father to give them. So the number one way we can experience the heart of Jesus is just receive what Jesus wants to give you. There's so many things here. Again, I'm going to summarize. If you, you could make a list, what does Jesus want to give me? And just read back through here. There's amazing things here. I'll read a few. Eternal life. He wants to give you eternal life. Maybe he's already given you eternal life. Fulfillment of joy. Jesus wants to give you complete fulfillment of joy. He's given you the word of God, the word of his Father. He's given you that. Oneness with the Father and his people that reflects his own relationship with the Father. He's given you a mission. He's given you a purpose. Sanctification, safety, community with Christ himself. Love, incredible love. The same love that God the Father has for God the Son. He wants to be in you. So just know, number one's easy. Well, actually, maybe it's not easy. Maybe you're not good at receiving things. I'm not good at receiving things. But number one is just receive what Jesus wants to give you. Some of my friends are laughing because they know that about me. <laughs> Somebody gives me a gift, I say, no, 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 no. They try again, no, 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 no. And, and uh, I did that recently. Anyway, do it almost every day. And this is the number one thing I see Jesus wants me to do here is to just receive, receive what he wants to give me. He really wants to give me a lot of wonderful things. A glory that is all satisfying and eclipses everything we face on this side of heaven. He wants us to be in heaven with him. So, number one is just know that, receive that, his safety, his love, his joy, receive what Jesus wants to give you. We receive everything, all the prom- God's promises through faith. Read his word, read it over and over until it hits your heart. Even pray. Sometimes I read things in the word, so I know, wow, he's given me great love, great joy. Well, I, you know, I may not experience it right now. Well, ask him, hey, let me experience it, and keep reading. <laughs> read it and read it and read it from, until it goes from your head to your heart. Meditate on it, but just receive. In Psalm 81.10, the Lord says, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Um, Isaiah says, I long to be gracious to them. So our God wants to be good to us, wants us to have a a, a really fulfilling, joyful life. And one of the first things we need to do is just to posture ourselves to receive from him. Okay, so next I'm going to read verses 20 through 23. That's the first step. Let's see what the second one is. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. What is he asking for here for us to do or to be? That we might be one. That we might be one. Here's an important secondary question. One with who? And maybe, I don't know if you've heard this before. I, I was, I've been taught this passage before and I was... I want to ask the question again. Let's read it and listen. One with who? Verse 21, That they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, That they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, 
you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So who are we one with? Oh, those are the verses from the previous reference. With him. He's praying that we would be one with, one with him, one person with him. He wants to live in us. Now, this includes other believers. But I was, I've always been taught that this passage, well, and, and uh, I think it's fairly common to teach, this passage teaches us to be one with each other, uh, purely. I think if we only teach that, we're missing a major part of it. Because it's not just us trying to have good relationships together or connect well. It's about us collectively connecting with God together. That's what he's after. And it reminds me of an of a illustration my pastor in Texas gave me regarding marriage. I was, we were preparing engagement. And he just said, I think maybe it came from a popular book. I don't know the book, so forgive me if you've read it. But he just said, you, you and your wife, you can't, you can't just work hard and, and try to have a good relationship. It doesn't work. Any two people all over the world, no matter how, how well matched they are, it's not going to work uh, well. It's going to be hard. But if those two people are seeking God together, as they grow close, as you grow closer to God, you're going to become more and more one. And um, so this is the heart. The heart of God is to be one along with him. One with him along with his people. So he just wants us to be one with him. So actually, if you had to narrow down, Jesus really only asks for two or three things, depending on how you slice it. This is the main one of what he's asking for his people. And, and as far as the specific request for his people, that they would be one. And arguably, I think this is really the only one we need to cover or focus on in the sense of we want Jesus, we want to be one with Jesus. That's, just, that's our goal. So Galatians 2.20 is one of my favorite verses. Um, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. In this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So our goal is to be one, so one with Jesus that Jesus is living our life. And together, to do that uh, most perfectly together in unity with one another. So it's totally related to our connection with others because I can't love you very well at all in my own strength. It, Christ in me can love you really well. And as I surrender to him, I'm one with him. That, that's the goal. I want him to live in me. But you know what? That's interesting. That's, that's one reason why he left. He wants to live in us. He wants to live his life. He wants to achieve his mission. In us. That's why he's in heaven. He's sent his spirit, his presence. He wants to do this work in and with us. The Great Commission is called the Great Co-Mission, meaning it's us and God together doing a mission. And what was the goal? Did you hear when I read those verses? If we're one with him, completely one, what happens? Did you hear that? The world would believe. If they were one, I pray that they would be completely one with me so that the world would believe. So you know what? If we were one in Christ, like Christ is one with the Father, game's over, world would be reached. So that's the second one, arguably the only one. And it, it, all the other ones kind of flow in and out of this, is being one with, with Christ. Let's read verses 14 through 19 to, to find the next one. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so this is another real clear request Jesus has for his people. Uh, Sanctify them in the truth. So be sanctified in the truth. Again, sanctified, it means to to be separate from things that are profane or or unclean. In a sense, to be clean, to be separated, and to be dedicated to God for service. To be dedicated, something to be, um, like I... In the Old Testament, there was a particular instrument to be used in the temple. You, you, it has to be different than other instruments for it to be used in the temple. It has to be holy and it has to be separate. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He, he, he did that for himself. He sanctified him. He was separate. Um, he was holy. So he actually said he sanctified himself on our behalf. Actually, going the only way we could say that we're sanctified is because of the cross, that he went to the cross and poured out his blood on behalf of all of our sins, cleansed us. Arguably, so I'm, in Scripture, I believe if you've received Christ, technically, before God the Father, you are sanctified right now. You are, you are holy, you are set apart, you belong to God. Now, we may not be living that perfectly, but really, that's your position before him, you're sanctified. But the desire here, I believe what he's praying, is just to actually... To live out who we are. This is we're sanctified people. We're different. We're holy, and to continue to live that way, the way that you continue to live that way, it's such a it's so simple. It's it's challenging, but it's simple. Be sanctified in the truth. It's wash your mind with the truth. Wash your mind with what God says about who you are, about who other people are, about what's valuable, about what's not valuable. Let His you know uh, Romans 12 uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But let his scripture tell you what's really true. As you begin to understand who you are in him, uh, you begin to live it out. It just comes. Just saturate your mind with the truth and believe it. And that's how we live it out. Interesting, he, he starts by saying the world has hated them. They're, they're not of the world. I'm not of the world. They're not of the world. So if you feel different, hey, that you're feeling something accurate. You're not, you're not the same as the world. We're different. We're sanctified and it's okay to be that way. Actually, it's, it, we're, we should be that way. But again, sancti- being sanctified isn't just being holy. It's being prepared for a mission. So it's being set apart for the use of God. And um, Jesus did that. Complete, he laid down his life completely for the mission of his Father to the point of death. And he prayed that we would also be sanctified in the same way, set apart, made holy for a mission that God has given us. And that leads us to the next one. There's one thing that Jesus says that he did while he was in the world that he repeats many, many times. I'll read a few examples. Uh, he said, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Verse 6, verse 8, I've given them the words that you have given me. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Uh, wrong verse reference there. 14, I have given them your word. 18, I sent them into the world. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So basically, much of his ministry was summarized in manifesting the name of his Father to other people, sharing the word of God with other people. And in this passage, he prayed for us. Actually, 
uh, for the disciples to be sent into the world, and he prayed for those who would be believed through their word, which, who is that? Who are the people who believed through the word of the original disciples? Yes, raising your hand. That's you. <laughs> yeah, that's us. We believe. He's praying for us in this passage. And we're the ones that believe through the word of the apostles. And so, the, what we're, a very, very simple application here. Next one is that we should share the word with others. Again, Jesus summarized so much of his ministry in saying this. Um, my understanding of Ephesians 4, there's a passage that talks about different, different um, leadership roles in the body of Christ, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he says that these people exist for the equipping of the saints for ministry. So the roles uh, in the church are actually there to encourage the common, ordinary believers to actually do the ministry. And, and then it summarizes all of it, and it says, okay, so as you're doing this ministry, and he says, as you're speaking the truth in love, we're all to grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. And so, really, the way that we grow, you can summarize our ministry, whatever ministry specifically you have, you can summarize it by saying, speaking the truth in love. To, in love, share the truth with other people. And, and, and in this passage, we see Jesus did that with non-believers. So, he, I manifested your name to those you have given me in the world. They didn't know who Jesus was. He manifested the Father's name to them, and they came to know him. So it's sharing the gospel with people who don't know, uh, who don't, didn't previously know him. He shared the gospel with lost people. Also, I continue to manif- he says, I continue to manifest your name to people who, the ones you've given me. So it's continuing to share the word all in love. But that's um, a way that we can partner with Jesus in his mission. Very simple is to share the word of God with other people. And this is, again, this is where we see his heart. Other passages, uh, the Lord desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. In Second Peter chapter 3, we are told explicitly that the only reason Jesus has not returned yet is that he's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all would reach repentance. So the, and, and the, you, I, I encourage you to read Second Peter 3. It says, don't... Uh, yeah, uh, he, he says, don't, if someone says he's not coming, it's been a long time, don't believe that. Jesus is coming soon. The reason he's, he's patient, because he doesn't want anyone to perish. So arguably the only reason Jesus is in heaven and not here on earth as a rule of the earth is that he's giving more people time to repent and to receive him. And we are to share the gospel. We're supposed to share the word of God with lost people and saved. I, um, just in Japan, I'm going to say it. It, uh, that the average person does not have the chance to hear the gospel. The average person in Japan does not yet have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And I, I encourage you to think about this next time you're in a subway, a, a crowded restaurant, or anything. You can look around and you can know, I know God's heart for every person here. I know his will. I know his purpose. I know why Jesus, what he's waiting to happen and what he wants to work through me to do. He wants everyone here to know him to repent, to come to know him, to be saved. That's his heart. You can point to anyone in the world. You see that in Acts 17 too, he created every person on the world to live in the time that they're living, in the place that they're living for the purpose of knowing God. So wherever you work, uh, if you're a student, um, whatever, it's, it, it should be crystal clear. God has a purpose. They're in that place at that time to know Jesus. And actually, no matter, now by the way, I'm motivated, I'm an introvert, I'm a, I don't, I, I, it's really hard for me to like 
talk to new people or share hard things with people. <laughs> so being sharing the gospel field does not come naturally to me. Naturally to me. But it, I, I'm so bothered by this truth that I make myself share. And that's how I encounter the heart of Jesus. There's almost no greater joy than having the opportunity of sharing the gospel with somebody, seeing them receive Jesus for the first time. But this is his heart. And again, let's... let's um, what was his motivation again? Let's keep this in mind. His motivation was that we would experience the fulfillment of joy that a human being can experience, to experience the love that his Father has for me. Sometimes I, I, I start crying when I'm sharing the gospel because what it just becomes so true to me as I'm telling someone about the love of God. And you encounter God's heart as you're reaching out sharing with uh, others. Biggest, what's the biggest enemy? Why don't we share more? Why don't we all leave right now and go share? What's the biggest enemy? Fear. You know what? That wasn't a surprise to God. Um, if you read the initial training of the Twelve in Matthew 9 and 10, uh, I just counted this the other day. Uh, there's about 10, roughly uh, uh, 10 to 12 verses, uh, instructions for them how to, how to reach people. There's about double that amount of verses addressing persecution and fear and how to, how to respond to persecution. This is, so if you, you want to share, you encounter resistance. That is so normal. <laughs> that the very first people that shared the gospel encountered resistance. Um, in, recent, in recent history, I did a study of the book of Acts of how did the apostles see this wild amount of fruit uh, as many people were coming to, to Christ in cities. And I just made simple observations. And one of the questions I had was, um, what was the role of persecution? And I started noticing this pattern, that there was a pattern in Acts. They started to share. There was opposition. They persevered past it, and the miracles happened. And that was when the gospel spread. So I, I honestly think that we need to, and, and I, we need to be motivated by Jesus' heart, but we need to be able to press past that uh, and share the gospel with people beyond that barrier. Um, you know, if you just start by, uh, if you haven't done that before, just start by opening your heart to the Lord and saying, actually, you, just, uh, again, receive what Jesus wants to give you. Be one with him. And just be open. God, give me an opportunity. And you can start just by sharing. You know, th- someone shared this, this with me years ago, and it's been so helpful. It's just share the share with lost people the same way you would save saved people in terms of, wow, I read this really cool thing in the Bible, and you know, man, it was just really cool. This has affected my life, and you know, just start doing that with lost people. And that's a, just a one simple way to begin, kind of sowing. And you'd be amazed at how many people are actually interested in learning more. If you want to learn how to clearly explain the gospel, there's a number of people here that can help you with that. Um, I'll tell you, I'll summarize a really long story. I encourage you to ask Becky Keith. She's been uh, training um, ordinary Christians to share with ordinary Christians. That's kind of what our team is involved in. And she's been meeting with this elderly Japanese woman who, if I remember correctly, when she first started meeting with her, she messaged Rebecca one time and says, I think this lady doesn't even like me. <laughs> like, because there was such a cold, what seemed like a cold response. Anyway, she shared with us recently that this woman's heart has completely changed. She, she's just a joyful. She's excited about her relationship with Christ. It's all been through Becky just teaching her how to share her faith. She's encountered a fresh understanding of the forgiveness of, of God in her life. It's enabled her to forgive her family for things. She started to share her family. There's been resistance. This wasn't received well, but she is walking in joy. Um, so ask Becky for more of that story. Let's read what next. So the next thing um, we're going to look for, how to experience the heart of Jesus, uh, verses 6 through 9. 
He said, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. Verse 9, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Who is he praying for? Us. For the people who believed and responded to his word. So, as you share the word, this, by the way, we're just looking at Jesus' strategy here in this, in this, we're seeing his ministry, how he lived it out. As you share the word with other people and they respond in faith, pray for them. Pray for these people. Actually, um, in my prayer list, my, my list of believers that I'm, I'm uh, working with, discipling, is actually longer, a longer list than my non-believers' friends. I'm not saying don't pray for lost people. Please pray for a lot. Pray for your family, for the people around you. Please pray for them. But notice the language Jesus uses about us. is so, It's so precious. He says, he always calls us the ones the Father has given him. He's like, for one person to respond, that was a gift of God. And I think, wow, it's just, you know, um, by God's grace, Halloween night, uh, some friends and I were able to lead this man to faith at Shibuya Station. And I just think, I, it just occurs to me, I, I probably pray for him more than anyone else because he's just so young in the Lord. Um, but I just think, what this is a gift God has given me as somebody that responded to the word. I need to pray for that man. I need to, to, to cover him in prayer. I'm also meeting with him, sharing the word. And, uh, but I need to pray for him. He needs to be near the top of my list. So pray for the people that God has entrusted with you, you to share the word with. What specifically did he pray for them? That's another Bible story. It's actually pretty, I mean, another Bible study you could do. Basically, um, that God would be glorified in them. He prayed that. He prayed um, that he would live in them. He prayed for protection for them from the evil one. He prayed that they would be one, that they would be sanctified. And um, this leads us to our next point. Uh, he says, I pray not only for them, but those who would believe in me through their word. So that leads us to the next point. Is these people, so you share the word, some people respond, pray for them. Next, what does he say to do? Send them. Send those, he prayed for his disciples to come to the word and prayed for those who would come to know Jesus through them. I was encouraged by uh, a missionary that had seen God do some amazing things, uh, sweep through cities and see lots of people come to Christ, different parts of the world. And he said one simple thought, pray, those people you're discipling, pray for their, pray for their, their kids, pray for your grandkids. Pray for, he's like, he said, I'm, you know, he's, uh, I, I don't, I can't remember, maybe he's in his 80s. He said, you know, like I've prayed for years, I prayed for my grandkids before there were grandkids. Now I have lots of grandkids. <laughs> but just pray, pray for, the, as you're discipling, train, pray for the people that are coming to know Christ through their word. But not just pray for them, send them, the people you're working with, train them. I honestly think um, this is probably the most neglected piece of Jesus' strategy, is sending other people into the, into the harvest as well. Um, it's all over the New Testament. You know, it feels strange to me. It felt very strange to me when I started, uh, as someone would come to Christ, teaching them to go share the gospel with others. It felt very strange, very, uh, very like it's not intuitive. So I started looking through the New Testament. Are there examples of this New Testament? It's all over the place. I'll share a few. What did Jesus say when he called the apostles in Mark 1? Uh, now, he had spent a little bit of time with them before this moment, but he said, 
when he calls him to, to leave everything, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He gave them vision before they, the very beginning, I'll, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. Mark 5, the demoniac, when the, uh, a legion of demons is cast from him, and the man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Where will you go? Jesus says, actually, I need you to go home and tell your family what God has done for you. And, and if I'm understanding this correct, that passage, so Jesus lands on this, this, uh, the shores of the Gerasene, the, the, the land of the Gerasenes. They reject him. They tell him to leave. And so Jesus leaves. This man stops him. He says, no, you need to stay here. You go share. Jesus leaves. This same geographic place, um, is the same place where Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes for the first time. And it said, the second passage that's clearly connected with that passage said that Jesus showed up and people were pulling the sick, pulling, the, pulling people from villages for him to heal, to touch them, to cast out demons. So that man's testimony um, caused something to happen. So um, Acts 2, the very first uh, preaching of the gospel at, at Pentecost, Peter doesn't, he, they say, what must we do to be saved? He doesn't say, um, believe and be baptized. He says, um, actually, before he says, he says, this promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off. He, gives them, he tells them immediately, this isn't just for you. Actually, God's doing something in the world. The gospel's beautiful. He's reaching people. It's not just for you. But yeah, go ahead and jump in. You come in too. But this, this is over and over. I'll show you um, one more, really, my favorite example, Acts 19. Talking about Paul, said he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. He entered the synagogue, was preaching, preaching the gospel. But some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them, so he left. They, persecution, it was hard. So he moved, but he took those people who were responsive and he met with them daily in the hall of Tyrannus. What happened? Verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. I don't know what was happening in that hall of Tyrannus. I wish I could have his teaching notes. <laughs> but he was there. He was, he didn't, the implication is he didn't leave the hall of Tyrannus, and the whole region of Asia was reached through whatever he was sharing with them. So people were running with it. Probably the, the, the reason why the gospel spread so rapidly in, the, in Acts. One, there's a lot of reasons. I think one key simple reason everyone was sharing. Everyone was so excited about what God had given them, and they were just sharing it. And so it's spreading so fast. So send them. Now, is it going to be hard? So we, we talked about how hard it is for us to go. Is it going to be hard for the people we send to go? Yes. Um, he said, I send them. The world hates them. Um, I'm leaving. They're in the world. The world hates them. Um, and he said, I send them into the world. You know, and in his instructions to the 12, he said, I send you out like sheep among wolves. What happens to sheep being sent to wool. Not good things. He also, he says that, he actually tells them, if you read, he tells them, you're going to be killed, you're going to be beaten, people are going to hate you. Um, and he says, but not one hair of your head will perish. What? You're safe. You know what? We get to be resurrected bodily and be with him forever in a better body than we have now, so why not just share until someone kills us? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Jesus taught these young believers. So, can't, so, and um, I wish I had, I, I mean, I, I uh, think I'm losing time here. There's a, I'll just summarize this story. I'll share with you another point. But I there, do it all the time, David. Okay. <laughs> um, I was, I've been reading, there's a book called Church Planting Movements. It's a, it's, there's this man that did some research of what was happening in these places where common believers were just sharing the gospel so rapidly that 
people were, things were sweeping through areas. And it analyzed 10 places in the world this has happened. I was reading one in India, and the, the missionary there at the heart of the movement, he, he knew part of reaching that, this area was training and sending local believers. And so he trained and sent uh, a group of new believers. This is North India, severe persecution. He sent out his first group. All of them were brutally murdered. And he had some thinking to do. He had to come back. And um, it doesn't even fill in. The, the paper doesn't fill in. What was he thinking? What was he, I'm sure there were tears or there were prayers. But you know what he did? He, he changed the method a bit. Um, they, but he sent more. He sent more into the same area. Um, they, they survived. Actually, there's a radical movement of thousands of churches, tens of thousands of new believers that happened through that. But he wasn't. So this is this is. Um, there's other passages I can. I think yeah I could. But we're, as we lead people to Christ, disciple them, pray for them, we should send them. That's how this. That's how this works. Uh, is that is everyone has the baton in their hands and is running for it. That's how people are reached. Just one closing, uh, one of my favorite passages in Scripture um, on this note before we look at the last one. Jesus said, this is actually the beginning of this whole discourse. Uh, we're at chapter 17. and in, in chapter 12, right before he washes the disciples' feet, he shares this short sermon, but it's really powerful. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life I'm sorry, whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So again, what does Jesus want for us? Eternal honor and glory from our Father. Um, he wants us to give our lives completely to him. Uh, and teach other people to do the same thing. But we, we have the baton, and we, we need to not only use it, we also need to pass it on to others. Verse 4, the last thing, that I think a clear application here. Uh, verse 4, actually is the first thing Jesus said that he did. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Last point here is uh, fin- finish the work that he's called you to um, this speaks so much to my heart because uh, I, I was kind of labeled early on in my education as an underachiever. Uh, it affects every area of my life. You can ask my wife, even when I wash dishes, I wash about 98% of the dishes. I always leave just something undone. Maybe I don't break down the milk carton and dry it, but I do the, di- you know, there's always something else I leave. So, and, um, anyway, and I feel like that's, and I, I you know, you know, actually, I'm going to share something with you. Just, um, I don't know how this strikes you or not, but I, I really believe that um, God wants me to be involved in reaching this nation. Um, I believe that, I believe that we see it in Malachi 1.11, uh, there's a promise. God says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. Japan is the land of the rising sun. There's a promise. His name's going to be great in this nation. I believe that's coming. And I also believe that he's called me to participate in that. And the reason why is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, it says, make disciples of all nations. In the Greek, it's actually more simple than that. It says, disciple all nations. I believe that applies to every believer. I'm a believer. I believe God's called me to reach this nation. Um, but I also believe that's true for you. 
But what does that mean to finish the work? Now, Jesus, again, didn't see the completion, but he did say it's finished. My role is finished. He, he manifested his name to his disciples. He prayed for them. He sent them, and he died. Uh, gave himself to the point of death. said, it's finished. I did it. So I think God's been, he's been telling me over and over, keep going, David. Keep going. Finish this work. Um, I don't know. There may be a specific application, maybe specific work God has called you to. I think he's, you know, finish it. You know, I gave this to you. I'm glorified in you doing this. Let's finish it. Um, I also think that there's a lot of work left to do in Japan and that he wants us all to be a part of it and to finish it. Um, So, again, just in conclusion, all this is about experiencing the heart of Jesus. Um, it begins with receiving. Just and, 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 and again, I really want you to, I want to encourage you to think through where, is, where are you at right now? Where does, what does God need to say to you in this moment? Is it number one? Just receive. Just receive what he has to give you. Um, open your mouth wide. Let him fill it. Is it being one? Just all of us need it. One is probably the most important. Just be one with him. Let Jesus live your life. Have control. And just get, let him, you know, yeah, be so one with him that it's Jesus living and moving in you. To be sanctified in the truth. To set yourself apart from things that would uh, pull away from his, his holiness in your life. Um, to saturate your mind in his truth. To share the word with others. To be willing to share the word with others. To take a step to do so. Um, to pray for people that God has given you. To disciple the shepherd. Um, to send them, to take that next step and teach them to do what you did with them. It's really easy. How did you come to come Christ to me? Do whatever I did with you, you do to other people. Uh, send them. And seven, finish the work that God has called you to do. Jesus said, I glorified you on earth because I finished the work you've called me to do. I have a friend, a partner, lives in Gifu. He was a student at CAJ, so maybe some of you know him. His name is Caleb Eby. But he, uh, he has a passion for uh, reaching lost people. He believes, Luke 10.2 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So every time you teach someone to, uh, and, and to reap a harvest, you find fruit, because the, the problem isn't with the, the fruit, it's with the harvesters, right? So he just tried, he has a passion to train people. So he, had, he met this young man named Reen in his church. He was going to a Japanese church and said, hey, you know, uh, man, I think there's people all around that need to hear uh, the gospel and come to Christ. Can I teach you how to reach people? Reen's response, no thank you. No, that sounds terrible. Uh, I've had bad experience with people sharing the gospel with me and teaching me to share the gospel, and no thank you. So what did Caleb do? He said, great, oh, no problem. You want to come over to my house for dinner or something? Great, okay. So Reen came to his house for dinner, and Caleb just started loving on this guy. You know, I haven't, did you want to study the Bible together? Sure. So they, they got together, they started reading through First Peter, and he was just praying for Reen, praying for Reen, praying for Reen. And Reen wasn't reading the Bible very often, wasn't praying. You know, and, and Caleb just, I'm just going to teach him to follow Jesus, and, you know, had him over in his house with home once a week. Anyway, something happened to Reen, and one day he just comes to a meeting, he's like, whoa, I read, I read the Psalms, and like 50 Psalms since I've seen you, and it's just, wow, I'm so encouraged, so happy, God just speaking my heart. And Caleb's like, okay, wow, this is cool. And Anyway, uh, so he just got his heart transformed by the truth of God. And, and Caleb just loved him, shared the truth. And then Reen, uh, several months later, he's like, now, uh, I just feel like I need to share this with people. Can you, can you teach me how to share this with people? And Caleb's like, hmm, yeah, I guess so, sure, I'll share this with you. So he taught Reen a simple way to share the gospel, encouraged him. And Reen was like, yes, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go home and share with my family. And he's like, my, 
his mom's a Christian, dad is not a Christian. What did he share with his dad? And um, he's been scared of his dad and his dad's perception of his faith. He said, I'm going to go home and share with my dad. And so, you know, Caleb's telling me a story. I'm like, whoa, okay, we got to pray for this. That's what a bold step. Anyway, uh, um, basically, Reen goes home, and we're debriefing with him. And he's like, yeah, my dad totally rejected me. And then afterwards, um, my mom sat me down and rebuked me for trying to share with him and said that we're supposed to keep our faith to ourselves. We're not supposed to share our faith. And, he, and, and so, you know, Caleb says, okay, and so how are you right now in this moment? He said, I, I feel so close to Jesus. I feel like I did what God told me to do. I actually told my mom, mom, he needs to hear the gospel. We need to share with him, mom. This is why I came home. And then his mom contacted him later and said, hey, I've been sharing the Bible with your dad some more. <laughs> and so Reen came, he started giving us reports. He led a student um, in his class to Christ. He just became a student teacher. He had one month in this school, and he was praying for us, asking us to pray for him. Please pray that God will give me an opportunity to share with students. So one day during recess, he's in the library, and this uh, group of students walk up and they say, hey, look, we found a library. And it was a, like a manga about Jesus. And they're like, do you know anything about this? And he's like, yeah, actually I do. So let's sit down. And so they spent the whole recess. He explained the gospel to them. Use, actually, I think he used this four points. It's a really simple way to share the gospel. God loves you. Your sin separates from you. Jesus came down on the cross. What do you think? I just totally simplified it. But he just shared it. And they're just like, whoa, this is amazing. Teach us more. Teach us more. So three days in a row, he meets with these seven students. By the third day, five of them expressed that they want to believe in Jesus the last day before he leaves, one of them said, I went home and I shared it with my mom, and she said that she wants to believe too. So we see, anyway, uh, I, get, I have the opportunity of doing a, a little Bible study with Reen. We, we, I just love hearing him speak because it's like he, he's walking with Jesus, and I just learned so much from him. I, I, so he's, but anyway, this is, man, Reen's just, man, just walking with Jesus, loving him in his word, and he's sharing with others, and God's using him in amazing ways. Same is possible for all of us. I'm going to pray for us, and um, and actually I want to pray specifically that God would give you uh, a goal, something to put into practice this week. So maybe it's uh, um, number five. Yeah, you know someone that you're working with that you just don't pray for them as much as you feel like God would want to. This week I'm going to pray for them once a day. Just set a goal to put something into practice that you heard that you feel like, I haven't been doing this, I want to start doing this. And whatever that is, write that down. And then share it with somebody today, what that goal is. And um, I'm going to pray that God would speak this and give us the courage to, to, to keep that goal. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your heart. Thank you that your goal in all of us, this is for us to encounter, your, to experience the fulfillment of joy that you have for every human being that will take it. Lord, we want to take it. Thank you for your heart, Lord. Again, I pray that you show us your heart more and more. Lord, I pray that you'd show us what do you want us to do this week. We, want, we don't want to be those who just hear the word. We want to be those who do it. And Lord, we want to do something. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd, you'd bring specific things to mind uh, now, even as we pray, as we sing this final song. Um, Lord, speak to our hearts. And I do pray, God, that you would move through us. Jesus, your spirit in us would, would move and would... Uh, You'd let us yield to you more so and that you would give us the strength to accomplish this. We know that you've actually already done that. Um, We pray that you'd remind us of that. In Jesus' name, amen.